welcome to episode 253 of the DFS Dose podcast, your fix of daily fantasy sports information, strategy, and analysis. I'm your host, Ben Hover, joined as I always am by Joey Carrion. And on today's show, we are going to break down week five in the NFL from a DraftKings perspective, talk some slate specifics, talk some chalk, go over everything you need to know to win a tournament, leverage stacks and long shots. Joey, how you doing entering week five? Doing well, doing well. Ready to dive into this slate and uh, potentially win all the money. But before that, for everybody listening, first of all, wants to help us out, make sure you're subscribed to our YouTube channel, the Dose Media Network. We're almost at 500 subs. And we just have a little bit of a time change for the stream on Saturday. So if you are a Saturday night live stream viewer, we will be streaming at noon instead of 10 p.m. EST on Saturday. So that's noon. 12 o'clock EST on Saturday instead of 10. Uh, So make sure you tune in. And if not, you'll be able to catch it on replay either way. Yeah. I mean, come on, guys. It's going to be my birthday on Saturday. And all I want for my birthday is for you guys to uh, to view the stream. Come in, you know, say what's up and help us reach the best place. Yeah. Happy early birthday to Benny. Another year older. You know, another year of uh, tilting DFS slates. What yeah. a time to be alive. I mean, shit, hopefully 27 is the one where we turn it into 27K, but we'll see how that goes, Joey. Let's uh, let's kick it off with some slate specifics, though, right? 12-game main slate on DraftKings this week, nine games early, three games in the afternoon. At first glance, this isn't looking like a overly attractive slate. We have zero games with totals above 50. First time all year that we've truly been without a single top tier game to target. And then not only that, but the higher totaled games on this slate, specifically Eagles and Cardinals and Falcons Bucks, the two highest totaled games on this slate are projected to be relatively one-sided. Eagles are five and a half point road favorites. Tampa Bay, eight and a half point home favorites. In terms of implied team totals. Buffalo is the highest on the slate, 30 and a half. Tampa Bay, 28.25. Philly, 27.25. Jacksonville, 25.75. And then Minnesota and New Orleans tied for fifth with 25 and a half each. Joey, what stands out to you this week from a Vegas perspective? Yeah, I think... What stands out to me at a first look is uh, there's not too many games that look very appealing to me, um, especially from a game stack perspective. We do have some lopsided games. You know, the Bills are 14-point favorites. Uh, like you mentioned, the Bucks are 8.5-point favorites. Those are two of the best teams on this slate. You know, the Vikings are 7-point favorites. So a couple potential blowouts inbound this week from just a game perspective there's there's not too many games that look very interesting to me early in the week yeah dfs wise i could see that pushing us into maybe less heavy game stacks and more correlated two offs or one offs just to fill out the most upside possible if if we really don't see any of these games going nuclear we can talk about that as we delve deeper into this slate and talk roster construction but let's just start off with some of the chalkiest plays on the week and at quarterback once again i think that josh allen is likely to be the highest owned quarterback on the slate great spot 
spot at home, 30 and a half point favorites. The only concern with Allen is that the Bills completely roll in this game as Kenny Pickett gets his first start, 14 point home favorites, really sets up well for the Bills to just easily coast in this spot. Yeah, I mean, Josh Allen is going to project as the best play at the quarterback position, regardless of price. He's one of the best values on the entire board as it stands right now at home against this Pittsburgh Steelers team that the Bills should easily beat. But you know, the the Steelers did beat them last season, I think in Buffalo, if I'm not mistaken, um, in a game nobody expected them to win. So maybe Kenny Pickett comes out here and pushes Buffalo and the defense plays well. But nonetheless, yeah, Josh Allen, I mean, not much needs to be said. He's the GOAT play every single week. Yeah, I mean, we even saw in the two games early in the season in weeks one and two when the Bills had complete control and and dominated the Rams and Titans, Josh Allen still put up 33 and 32 points on DraftKings regardless. So would not be worried about game flow in this game. Bills are passing at the seventh highest rate in the league and have a 12.7 pass rate over expectation, which I think leans even more heavily into the fact that they don't take their foot off the gas because, you know, the expectation is that they would run more when they're up and they just do not care they will always sling the ball with Josh Allen so uh, no fear with Josh because of the lopsided nature of this game Jalen Hurts right there up at the top of the quarterback pool should be popular I don't think that he will be one of the top two highest owned I think that it's going to be Allen and Brady but Jalen Hurts for a hundred dollars less and a pretty significant ownership discount off of Josh Allen I think makes a lot of sense for tournaments specifically this week yeah I definitely love Jalen Hurts and what I think is the best game environment on the slate on the road against the Cardinals in a dome I think the Cardinals can at least put up some points to push Jalen Hurts and the Eagles a little bit and I I don't think a lot of people are going to play Hurts over Josh Allen this week uh, with only a $100 price discrepancy between both quarterbacks and he's projecting a little bit worse. So Jalen Hurts is definitely a solid tournament pivot, but wouldn't expect him to be too chalky in cash this week at the top. So for cash, then I guess the discussion really comes down to Allen at 8,200 or Tom Brady at 6K. Brady gets a great spot at home against the Falcons with the second highest implied team total on the slate. Full healthy complement of weapons with Mike Evans, Julio Jones, Chris Godwin, Russell Gage, all good to go in this spot. Falcons should be overmatched and there's some speculation that Brady may be on a warpath at this point. <laughs> yeah, I mean... Brady lost. Brady lost his, his his wifey. Yeah. How do you, how do you think that impacts him though? Does it hinder his play or does it motivate him to to go out there and prove that he made the right decision in choosing football mm-hmm. over his supermodel wife and his family? See, I I don't know. From personal experience, I I think a situation like that would just spiral me into depression and and self-doubt. But, you know, I don't have the GOAT mentality. I'm not Tom Brady. So I don't know how Tom Brady is going to react. What are your inclinations? I mean, you've been a Patriots fan your whole life. You've spent many years, you know, uh, analyzing Tom Brady. You You may have a better grasp on this than I. I think that Tom Brady cares more about football and winning than he does his children. (laughs) <laughs> damn it's it's like it's like that <laughs> no cap i th- i think tom brady is the ultimate competitor this dude cares way too much about his legacy he didn't want to go out as a loser the bucks still have one of the best rosters in the nfl they obviously passed at a very high rate over expectation last week but they were also kind of forced into it so i'm just interested to see how much they pass when they're 
you know, eight and a half point favorites, you know, will they still unleash Tom Brady or will they go back to how they played in the first three weeks when, you know, they were winning or when they were playing close games and they were just uh, riding Leonard Fournette. Maybe that was because some of the injuries and they have those guys back now. Uh, So it's going to be interesting to see, but personally, I prefer Josh Allen in cash, but I wouldn't hate lineups that have Tom Brady. Like I want, if you come into a head again, head to head against me with Tom Brady, I wouldn't say like, damn, that that's a donkey player. I, I think he's a fine play this week. I do as well, but there is some decent value with the other positions, which we will get to in terms of tournaments. This is one of the better quarterback pools. I think like it doesn't just feel like you can only play the top guys. I think there are some more mid range options that you can consider this week. Kyler Murray at home in this game expected to be trailing trying to match Philly that has some interest for me at 7400 I think we can go right back to the Justin Herbert play once more 7100 shouldn't come with too much ownership in that game LA Chargers at Cleveland I think does have some sneaky shootout potential and then Trevor Lawrence at 5600 another guy who I would expect to project pretty well at home against Houston just an absolutely atrocious defense with Houston and Jacksonville has at least shown some signs of life on offense this season do any of those names stand out to you for tournaments this week yeah I mean probably not playing Trevor Lawrence to be honest just hasn't shown us that he has a ceiling in the NFL yet think it's there but I I don't know I just I just don't want to play Trevor Lawrence in tournaments especially with some of the top options you mentioned Justin Herbert who I do like this week the Chargers have a 25.25 implied team total you know top five on this slate the game has a 47 and a half live total so Vegas thinks it should be a good scoring environment and Justin Herbert is just one of those quarterbacks where it's easy to stack you know where the ball's going you have a cheap tight end in Gerald Everett that you can also stack him with and Gerald Everett has been very good this year so I I definitely love Justin Herbert as a tournament play each and every single week because he's just always in that you know high 6k low 7k range that never gets owned enough in DraftKings. Yeah, and and Herbert has yet to have one of those ceiling games that we know is in his range. You know, he's had a couple three touchdown spots. He's had a couple of 300-yard passing spots, just not putting it all together in one spot. So, I mean, I don't know. I think Herbert could absolutely roll here, and the Chargers defense is most susceptible on the ground, which sets up really well for Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt bringbacks, I think, yep. um, at, at very low ownership. So Herbert, Herbert did throw 404 against the Browns last year in October. October... Mm. October 10th, to be exact, and the the game that's going to be played on Sunday is October 9th. Damn. Now, that's that's the kind of shit I like to know about, okay? Date-to-date date, date, date correlation year over year. I'm interested in, in that kind of thing. And Mike Williams went off for 8-165-2, and two. fun fact. Ooh. Ooh. Say less, say less. All right, running back position. We touched on what the Bucks may or may not do on offense, which leads to Leonard Fournette. There is definitely a, a reality this week where they do sort of switch back to the Leonard Fournette heavy game plan as eight and a half point home favorites. Fournette saw a pretty significant reduction in in work last week and Rashad White made his way onto the field is there any concern for you here on Fournette's role in this offense going forward if the team opts to get Rashad White a little bit more involved uh no I think Fournette just in terms of 
opportunity was kind of game scripted out. He still had his best game of the season in terms of pass catching, seven catches, seven targets, 57 yards, and a touchdown, which ultimately saved his day. Like we mentioned, this should be a game where the Bucks come out and dominate this Falcons team that also just lost Cordero Patterson, one of their best offensive weapons. So I think we could see Fournette finish with 15 to 20 touches, a couple catches in this game. Not too concerned about Rashad White as most of that uh, was in garbage time when, you know, the Bucks were just trailing and you know, just throwing the ball at a 90% clip. But at 6,900, I think Fournette is the highest you go in cash, but there's a case to be made where you don't have to play him because there are a ton of mid-range running backs this week that are going to project extremely well and project extremely well from an opportunity standpoint. So right now, I think I would lean towards not playing Fournette, but I think he is a pretty good play. And just some guys that caught my eye in the mid-range, the one guy that kind of stood out to me when I first saw the prices was Jeff Wilson at 5,500. The Niners just have not used any other running back besides Jeff Wilson since Elijah Mitchell and TDP got hurt. I don't even think another running back has a touch besides Jeff Wilson. Uh, So you could pretty much lock Wilson in for 15 plus touches in the spot against Carolina as six and a half point favorites. And then you have Khalil Herbert, who would be a very good play if David Montgomery was out once again. You have Devin Singletary at 6,100. Damian Pierce at 6,200. James Robinson at 6,300. Who else am I missing? The Patriots running backs are cheap this week in a good spot against the Lions. For all those guys, I don't I don't think you need to go to Fournette this week. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I definitely agree with you. I don't think that uh, Fournette is like a must play by any stretch. I also just think from watching that game, Bucks Chiefs, that I don't know how much I think that Rashad White was just a garbage time play. Like he fumbled on the first play of the drive, which led to an immediate touchdown for the Chiefs. And they trotted him right back out there, ended up giving him the most snaps that he's seen all season. And he looked like he had some legitimate juice that Fournette may be lacking at this point in his career. I wouldn't be shocked to see this be like a 70%, 30% split going forward with opportunity for White to establish himself a little bit more. Is this the spot with them being massive favorites? Probably not. So Fournette is a fine play, but because of the mid-range guys that you mentioned, definitely don't think you need to go there in cash. I want to touch on Jeff Wilson because right now it's looking in early ownership projections like he's going to be the stone chalkiest running back on the slate. And if that's the way that things hold, I would be very easily off of him. I don't think that he stands out above any of the other mid-range running backs. In fact, I think he might be a little bit worse than This is the lowest totaled game on the slate. He's a road running back playing a Carolina Panthers team that is currently on pace to have the lowest amount of plays ran per game over the last 20 years. So we're looking at what I think could be a really slow paced game and a running back on the road with a very minimal to non-existent pass game role. Jeff Wilson Jr. to me is just the the type of chalk at running back that I fade and don't think twice about it. Yeah, I I don't think he's that great of a play. Like you are getting raw volume out of Jeff Wilson probably more volume than you'll get if you play like Ramondre or Damian Harris or you know Antonio Gibson or a guy like that so I I definitely think that that's why he's chalk is just from an opportunity standpoint but from a game environment a talent a reception upside standpoint I think he is not that great of a play I do prefer the other running backs in that range like I said especially if uh, David Montgomery's out we'll have Khalil Herbert for only 300 more in a better game environment Damian 
Damian Pierce kind of stands out to me as well at 6,200. Had a very good role last week. Six targets, six catches. Obviously broke that long touchdown, which kind of saved his day. But still, nonetheless, Damian Pierce looks like he's a more talented back. He's going to see more opportunity than Jeff Wilson. I know he has 700 more, but I definitely prefer getting up to Pierce instead of Jeff Wilson. And then I think that the Patriots guys are fine. Harris, Ramondre are right there. Uh, and, and I think that just from an upside perspective, they are a little bit better than Jeff Wilson as well. So I, I think I'm right there with you. If Jeff Wilson ends up becoming chalk, I will 100% fade Jeff Wilson this week. Agree with you on the Pierce take as well. I think that he's interesting this week and not the only rookie running back in this range that stands out to me. Brees Hall for $100 less than Jeff Wilson, 5400 I really like with Brees. I was pretty intrigued, right? After we see him get 11 targets in week three, you know, not intrigued enough to play him last week. I, I Maybe I should have, but he was on the field for only 51% of snaps in week three. Then we had Zach Wilson returning. So I think that there was a lot of fragility there. And I, I think it was like deserved skepticism. I'm, I think it was okay to not trust him. But after what we saw in week four, I am fully ready to buy in to Brees Hall for DFS purposes. He saw a massive surge in usage, played on a career high 66% of snaps, 17 attempts after combining for only 21 through the first three games. Saw the Jets be more willing to utilize Brees Hall and his past game role seems very cemented at this point 27 targets on the season second highest at the running back position played on 75% of the Jets third down snaps in week four and was in the lineup for four out of four of their goal line snaps I think that the Brees Hall monster game is coming at home against the Miami team that will be without Tua seems like a spot where it, it could be the Brees Hall eruption yeah potentially obviously it sucks that you know he is split snaps with Michael Carter but nonetheless when Brees Hall is out there he's getting touches and we love to see it and he's getting used in the passing game a lot as you referenced you know he's one of like I I think he's one of like three or four running backs I don't know the the specific amount might even be lower than that to score 10 plus points in every week Mm. so far so definitely don't mind Hall at 5,400. I do think he is a better play. It is kind of a tough matchup going up against Miami. You know, they have like a top 12 run defense up to this point and their defense in general, pretty solid. And obviously Zach Wilson isn't great. So I don't know if the Jets are going to be like winning in this game to where it's the perfect game script. I think it is going to be a close game. I think still, even with Teddy Bridgewater, the Dolphins are a better team and the Dolphins are also three point favorites. So the Jets are still underdogs at home against a tough defense with probably one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL that we saw last year, at least. So I I don't really buy into the whole game script narrative, but nonetheless, he should he should have touches. I, I, I don't mind Brees at all. Yeah. And again, I don't think that a negative to very close game script is is bad for Brees Hall. Like we saw the 11 target upside yeah. two weeks ago, six targets last week. Devin Singletary had nine catches against them in week three. Like, I I, I don't know. I like sure. I like Brees. And then I did want to touch even a little bit deeper on the Patriots running backs who you mentioned, because I think that this spot sets up so, so well for them. We've been talking about it for the last four weeks that these mid-range running backs 
and timeshares who have two touchdown upside are the guys that we have to be playing in tournaments. And Damian Harris for sure stands out. Like, I don't think you could trust him in cash. He's been between 38 and 40% of snaps in every single game, but still three touchdowns on the year so far. We know that multi-touchdown games are in Damian Harris's range. Mac Jones returns to practice on Wednesday, may or may not be fully healthy, may or may not play. But no matter what, I think that the Patriots on offense, look at this Lions defense, see how extremely beatable they are on the ground and plan to attack with Damian Harris and Ramondre. So Damian for the touchdown upside in tournaments makes a lot of sense. And Ramondre, to me, I think his role is good enough to be in cash consideration. He's played on 55% of snaps or more in three out of the four games, has had five targets, four receptions in back-to-back weeks, out-targeting Harris 14-9 to on the season. You know, if he can find his way into the end zone and maintains this pass game role the way that we expect him to, the matchup sets up really well. Home favorites. I think both of these Patriots running backs are phenomenal plays. And Damian for tournaments, Ramondre for cash seems like a route that I may want to go. Yeah, I mean, probably want to play Ramondre in cash. I I do know that he has played on more snaps than Damian Harris in three straight. And I, I think that is because they were losing against the Baltimore game. He played a ton last week. He played well. He was just playing better than Damian Harris, which kind of got him on the field more. I think this is a Damian Harris week, personally. Damian Harris does have more touches on the season than Ramondre, even though he has been playing less. I think this game sets up as the perfect game for a Damian Harris ceiling week, a multi-touchdown week. Damian Harris has three touchdowns on the season to Ramondre's one. I think they prefer Damian in the red zone and prefer Ramondre between the 20s. Uh, So I think Damian Harris just has more touchdown upside in this spot. I want to bet on Damian Harris this week over, over Ramondre. And then because of the prices of all of these mid-range guys, I don't know how high people are going to go in cash. Alvin Kamara is coming in with a pretty decent ownership projection at this point in the week. I could see people going there, 6,600 at-home favorites against a Seattle team that just got decimated on the ground by Jamal Williams. Do you think Alvin Kamara is going to be a type of guy that gets a lot of steam this week? Yeah, I mean, I I could see people going to Kamara. He's 6,600 and he's going to project well. Latavius Murray, who they had on their practice squad, had an offer from the Saints, but chose to go to the Broncos instead once they signed him. So they only have Mark Ingram, who is healthy, and Kamara, who should be back and at home against Seattle. It is a good spot. It's a good matchup. And I I think that's really all it is, is a matchup-based play. Gonna have to wait and see if Winston is back. I don't think I would be too interested in the Saints guys of Andy Dalton was there as a starter but maybe that's wrong maybe if Andy Dalton starts he's you know more likely to to check it down to Kamara than Winston is I I don't know I I I really just don't want to get out of this mid-range at running back to be honest that makes a lot of sense to me and it's been the winner in tournaments I'll definitely be all over that mid-range for GPPs let's talk wide receiver and wide receiver seems pretty open this week as to where people are going to go. I think over the past couple of weeks, it's really been the mid range that has garnered the most attention. And and we could see that happen once again this week. Guys like Tyler Lockett at 5,600 stands out. Chris Godwin underpriced at 5,900. Brandon Cooks is going to draw middling ownership every week. And then the likes of Drake London, Amari Cooper, etc. This mid range is once again loaded on DraftKings. Yeah. Yeah, I think a couple of these guys are going to definitely be 
own this week. Chris Godwin stands out, you know, comes back off his hamstring injury, has 10 targets. I think people will feel comfortable playing him against the Falcons, a team that he routinely torches, by the way. At 5,900, Amari Cooper, I think is fine. I think Brandon Cooks always gets ownership for some reason. And I I did tell you earlier in the week that this is a Brandon Cooks uh, blow-up game. I did say that. You standing by Uh, that? On like Monday, right? Yeah, I'll stand by it. I think Brandon Cooks has a blow-up week this week. uh, for So I would play him in tournaments. I'm not playing him in cash. Tyler Lockett stands out at 5,600. Got a price decrease, and he still has one of the best roles in the NFL with uh, one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL to start the year in Geno Smith. Never thought I would say that. (laughs) Never thought I would say that phrase in 2022 for a 10th-year breakout in Geno Smith. But (laughs) nonetheless, uh, Tyler Lockett... At 5,600, definitely stands out to me as well. He has a 25% target share on the season, just below DK Metcalf, who has a 26.3% target share. Don't mind any of those guys for cash. And I think the highest own, most likely, is going to be Chris Godwin out of this range. Makes a lot of sense, and I could see his wide receiver partner, Mike Evans, drawing a lot of ownership at 6,900. I think that he'll probably project really well with just his general share of targets and usage in the red zone coming off of a two-touchdown performance last week. Mike Evans at 6,900 in a great matchup as well. At the high end, Cooper Cup looks like he will be utilized at a pretty high clip this week. 9,600, in my opinion, sort of takes him out of cash game consideration on this specific slate but I I don't know how do you feel about Cooper Cup this week I mean it was probably bad process to not have him as the 101 I'll say that yeah Um, because this this man is absolutely torching motherfuckers yo (laughs) yeah 14 targets actually ridiculous he has more catches than Justin Fields has completions on the year (laughs) through four games God damn, that's crazy. He's on pace to catch 178 passes. Yeah, what what's the issue? I kind of just want to jam him in. 9,600, you know, I've said in previous weeks, it, it does kind of price him out. Uh, maybe something opens up at the bottom of the wide receiver pool that lets you get there. But as it stands right now, there's not much value that's standing out to me. But Cooper Cup is definitely going to project as the best value, as the best uh, like point per dollar wide receiver on the slate, or one of them, I should say. Even at 9,600, like this is just a game where Cooper Cup is, is probably going to see 15 targets once again at home against Dallas. Dallas does have a tough defense, and they should be able to stay in the game, and Cooper Rush is undefeated as a Dallas Cowboys starter. So th- this could be a game where it could be back and forth. The The Rams could be losing. It's not like they're going to come in and blow Dallas out. So that definitely works well for Cooper Cup. Yeah, I mean, God, it, it's so hard not to, not to click Cooper Cup's name on DraftKings. Yeah, I mean... I'm a little surprised because usually you're the one who's more so on the wave that you can't play him at this price. But yeah, I mean, I mean he's 29, a- 35, 30, or 30, 34, 35, 29, 16. Like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I mean, the dude's getting, you know, 14, 15 targets a week. Like, he, he's just the stone cold nuts as far as DFS goes. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. He's interesting. How do you compare him, though, price included to guys like Steph Diggs? and Debo Samuel, who I think are going to be the other popular options at the top. 
Yeah, I think that Diggs and Debo are obviously good plays this week. Diggs at 8,400 kind of stands out to me, but 14-point favorites, I think, definitely caps his ceiling a little bit, especially if they get up. But like you mentioned, even if the Bills are up, they will continue to throw the ball. Uh, So I don't mind Diggs. I think he is a better play than Debo Samuel for 700 more. But what I was seeing early is that a lot of people were on Debo in cash, which doesn't make too much sense to me. I don't think his role is better than Diggs in the passing game and his rushing usage has declined uh, since week one. So I definitely prefer Diggs to Debo, but Debo's obviously a great player. But I I do think you are kind of relying on just some outlier efficiency for him to really get you there. So I prefer Diggs over Samuel, but I think they're both pretty good plays. And, you know, Mike Evans, who you mentioned, I think is going to be chalky as well. I think you can go there. I think, you know, potentially saving, what is it, 1,500 from Diggs to Mike Evans. I, I think that's perfectly reasonable on this slate. But God damn, I mean, Cooper Cup is 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 really standing out to me right now. Mm, yeah, definitely. We'll, we'll check in on that on the Saturday live stream at noon this week. There may or may not be some low-key value that opens up. Khalil Shakir at 3,100 if Isaiah McKenzie misses. And that's another reason why I like Diggs. You know, Jamison Crowder won't play in this game. Isaiah McKenzie may or may not play. And I think that that could, you know, incorrectly lead people to the Khalil Shakir play when in actuality, the last time the, the, the Bills were without a major pass catcher, it was Gabe Davis. And we saw Diggs just get all the attention. Like the targets didn't get spread out. Allen just went to the guy that he trusted most in week two and and fed Diggs 15 targets and gave him a 48-point game on DraftKings. So, I mean, yeah. I, I, I love Diggs this week. I think that he is probably my favorite play in that range. Price included Cooper Cup, a better raw play, of course. And then in terms of the value that we do have early in the week, I think the play that stands out the most to me, Joey, and I mean, I'll let you take this one because this is your son. This is your birthday twin. Jacoby Myers at 4,800. If he returns, if Mac Jones is back, this matchup is so good. It would be hard for me to not just auto-click Jacoby into cash. Yeah, right now as it stands, Jacoby is projecting the best out of these uh, 4K wide receivers. So hopefully he is back. And if Mac Jones is back as well, that definitely increases Jacoby's uh, stock and projection, in my opinion, a little bit. Uh, Like you said, it's just a prime spot for the Patriots skill position players in general going up against this uh, 32nd ranked Lions defense and points allowed and if Mac is back he just locks in on Jacoby as the number one target and Jacoby does earn targets at a pretty good rate so 4,800 Jacoby Myers if he's healthy I would say he is the best value wide receiver as it stands right now on the week five slate all right tight end this is a this is a good week for tight end because you pretty much have to pay down you know the highest price tight end on the slate is 5200 i just i just love to see it i just love to see a bunch of low price tight ends that's my bag okay and then this week for cash games i'm not really sure where people are going to gravitate towards i don't know if they chase the tj hawkinson top 10 tight end performance of all time on DraftKings at 4900 gets a price bump but maybe not enough for the people who are going to be interested in going after that again could depend on Amon Ross St. Brown's health, which we do not have an update on at this point. If he's out again, I could definitely see people go back to Hawk, but at the cheap 
range sub 4k there are a myriad of options as well yeah at the tight end position um there's definitely a bunch of low options i mean the highest price tight end is 5200 on this slate don't necessarily believe people will go up to tj hawkinson i just don't think he fits cash game builds this week at 4900 and you know that's a classic definition of chasing points you know going up against a team that historically has done well against tight ends uh, besides like the the elite level guys which I want to put Hawkinson in that tier so probably not going to be on Hawkinson this week there are some cheap options in Irv Smith and Hunter Henry if Janu is out don't necessarily know if they're going to be that chalky or not I'd be comfortable playing one of those two guys in cash personally uh, but this like low 4k tier I think could have some ownership with a uh, Tyler Higby who has seen a very good role to start the year you know three games with nine plus targets out of Tyler Higby to start the year he's been one of the best fantasy tight ends in the NFL you have Kyle Pitts who people want to be in on Fryermuth is 4100 in a most likely negative game script you have uh, Logan Thomas at 3200 you have Dalton Schultz at 3400 so yeah there are a lot of options I probably would just lean to paying to Irv Smith or Hunter Henry I'd be comfortable playing Hunter Henry in cash even though he probably isn't going to be chalk if Jonu Smith is out so that's probably where I'm leaning right now yep I like all of those calls and the report today was that Jonu could miss multiple weeks so I mean he's definitely not likely to play he's out he's out yeah so Hunter Henry at 2900 that's certainly interesting to me I'm always willing to play Irv Smith he gets you know a sufficient amount of targets on a week-to-week basis for me to be comfortable in cash and then yeah like Njoku and Higby obviously good plays probably wouldn't go Fryermuth with Higby only 200 more and Gerald Everett 100 more in a significantly better offense and situation so for me I'm probably choosing between one of Higby or Njoku or just trying to punt it off to like Irv or Henry Dalton Schultz certainly interesting at 3400 as a guy that we were taking in the top six all offseason in best ball might be the time to be back in there all right we can talk about tournaments here leverage stacks and long shots leverage wise I don't have much at this point in the week I think we can touch on that more on Saturday as ownership numbers become more official but stacks Joey I mean where are you going to be looking in tournaments this week I think the popular stacks are going to be like the Bucks. Um, I think they are going to be one of the most popular. I think the Bills probably will be up there as well. One of my favorite stacks this week, and I think, you know, I'm, I might be stealing yours, is the Eagle stack. Mm. So I, I, I think that could, that could be, you know, our stack call of the week is a Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown, Devontae Smith stack. And, you know, you could bring it back with... Hollywood Brown or whomever on the Cardinals but this is the best game environment on the slate and if these players in this game come in with lower ownership than every other player on the slate this is the game that I want to be in on so just game stacking this game whether it's the Cardinals or the Eagles I think is fine and hurts Kyler they're not going to be the highest owned quarterbacks on the slate their skill position players aren't going to be nearly owned enough as they should be for what I think is the most likely game to score them the highest amount of points yeah I I love this game and I love the Arizona side of it as well 
certainly will have exposure to Jalen Hurts, A.J. Brown stuff with Devontae or Goddard mixed in for the doubles. But Kyler at 7,400 at home expected to be trailing, I think, is really enticing. Kyler is another player who we know has the slate-breaking ceiling, but we just haven't seen it yet this season. Encouraging last week had 12 attempts on the ground. That sort of rushing aspect to his game had been scaled back through the first three weeks of the season, had 12 rush attempts coming into last week, and then matched that all in week four in what was a slow paced game against Carolina. I think we see things open up against a Philly team that plays pretty fast, very clear stacking partners too. We've absolutely over the last three weeks seen the Marquise Brown role that we had speculated would occur with DeAndre Hopkins missing the first six, 11 targets, 17 targets, 11 targets over the last three weeks for Marquise Brown. So you've got your clear cut stack there. We've talked at various points on the podcast this season about the way the Eagles play defense and how that lends itself to opposing tight ends. Zach Ertz at 4,800 is going to fly under the radar just because of his price and the players he's surrounded by. So I think there's a lot of ways you can go there. And then the other game stack that I'm super interested in is going to be the Chargers Cleveland stack. We could see Keenan Allen return in this game, which sets up very clear for Justin Herbert doubles Everett, another player that I'm okay with playing every single week. And then, you know, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, I I absolutely love like Nick Chubb. It's not getting talked about enough is on a Derrick Henry-esque run to start the season. Three games with over 100 yards rushing. He's got five touchdowns through four weeks, averaging a nice little two targets per game as well, just to boost that floor up a little bit. But yeah, I mean, we saw what Damian Pierce did against the Chargers last week. Just imagine what Nick Chubb is going to do entering this game. 8K, (laughs) nobody's going to play him. I I think that that's super solid as a corollary piece for your Chargers stuff. Yeah, I think that I definitely like this game. Like I mentioned, at the quarterback position, a year to date, pretty much, uh, Justin Herbert dropped 47 on him. The Browns also scored 42. It was the highest scoring game on that slate. So definitely don't mind stacking this slate up if we can, you know, replicate those fireworks from last year. That would be awesome. Nick Chubb, 8K, like you said, nobody's going to play him, even though for me, it's always disgusting to play Nick Chubb on DraftKings, but he's shoved it down pretty much his fader's throats to start the year. And if he's going to continue to have this outlier efficiency, I mean, guess I should consider him more, right? I think so, man. And I mean, I talked about this in the offseason. I always thought that a Nick Chubb season like this was in the range. This may be it still early, uh, obviously, but we could see Nick Chubb continue and, you know, be a top three running back, even despite the lack of a significant pass game role. And, you know, just a super long shot for tournaments. I think Kareem Hunt is the type of guy that obviously, Obviously, nobody's ever going to play, but the matchup is great. The Chargers have been getting obliterated on the ground. And, you know, these RB2s who have two touchdown upside have won tournaments multiple times this year. And Kareem Hunt is like the perfect guy to fit that archetype. So interested yeah. there, uh, just as like a long shot in, in very large field stuff. Yeah, definitely agree on that. One of my favorite long shots and a player that, you know, we kind of skipped over at the wide receiver position just because of his prices. Justin Jefferson at 8,900. Justin Jefferson, with the projections that I'm currently looking at, they have him for under 2% owned at home in a dome, a one o'clock game, which we know matters with Kirk Cousins against the Chicago Bears. People might see the one next to Justin Jefferson's price tag. The Bears have been the best team against opposing wide receivers when it comes to fantasy, whatever, whatever. I don't give a fuck. It's Justin Jefferson. He's going to get 10 plus targets in this spot. His upside and ceiling is one of the highest in the NFL. 
I'll bet on Justin Jefferson at 1% ownership. Don't think that's true. In my opinion, I think he'll probably come somewhere between like 5 to 6%, but still nonetheless, I think that's still too low for a player of Justin Jefferson's caliber. Um, his ceiling is very comparable to Cooper Cup. So Justin Jefferson, if he is 1%, is a total smash this week, in my opinion. Love that call. Love this Vikings offense in general in this spot, which leads to you know, one of my favorite long shot plays of the week, and and that's Dalvin Cook. All right. So there's been a lot of offseason hype surrounding the changes in Minnesota's offensive philosophy. And, you know, to be completely honest, they've really lived up to it, right? Like the Vikings are fifth in pass rate this season. They're throwing the ball 64.96% of the time. And the way that we looked at this in the offseason was that it would be like a good thing for Dalvin Cook. Like maybe the rush volume comes slightly down, but he gets more targets. What we did not anticipate happening with Dalvin Cook was this boosted role for Alexander Madison and him being more than just a strict back up handcuff type of player and the box score doesn't quite tell you the full story on how much Madison has been eating into the role because he only had four touches last week against the Saints like that doesn't look like much but Madison has played on 30% of snaps in three straight games last week he was in on 13 out of the 14 third down snaps and ended up catching a touchdown so it's that pass game role that Madison has been you know, siphoning from Dalvin Cook that I think has held down Dalvin Cook's production, but 7300 is an amazing price tag for a player like Dalvin Cook. We haven't seen him put up 20 points or more yet this year, and I think that if there was ever a spot to do it, it would be at home, seven-point favorites against a Bears team that has the literal stone-worst rush defense in the league right now, averaging 183 yards per game to opposing running backs. This could be the Dalvin Cook 40 spot that we all know is within his range of outcomes. I don't think that he'll be like 5% owned, but I don't see him getting steamed overly either just because of the strength of the mid-range that we talked about. Guys like Leonard Fournette and Alvin Kamara priced below him will be more popular and then definitely people playing up to the, the CMC Henry's and Chubbs of the world. He's just going to get lost in the mix. And and that's a situation that really tells me I should be in on Dalvin Cook this week. Yeah, I, I definitely do not mind Dalvin at all. Um, obviously kind of a bet against my Jefferson pick there. Shout out to you. Yep. Um, so yeah, th- thanks for that. But definitely love both Jefferson and Dalvin Cook. I just think it's a good spot for the Vikings offense in general. And they have one of the highest implied team totals on the slate at 25 and a half. So seven point favorites, 25 and a half implied team total. Great matchup for Dalvin Cook. I, I could definitely see this being a week where he does break the slate. Um, I will definitely be playing Dalvin Cook in tournaments for sure. 100%. You have any other long shots that you want to give to the people right now? Yeah, I think... You know, there's a lot of injury situations to look at, especially at the bottom of the wide receiver pool. You know, if you scroll down, you see a bunch of players below 5K with uh, Qs next to their name. Jacoby Myers, DJ Chark, Dotson, he's most likely out though. Noah Brown, AJ Green, Zay Jones. So a lot of injury situations to monitor that will definitely open up some value. But if I'm just taking a total long shot stab at a player that I think could have a nice game. Nelson Aguilar at 4K. Just give me these Patriots wide receivers this week. They're all cheap. I think one of them is going to have a good game. I don't know which one. I might play Jacoby. I might play Devontae Parker. I might play Nelson Aguilar in the lineup. I just know in my heart one of them is going to have a 15 plus 20 plus point game in the spot against the fucking Detroit Lions at home. So yeah, Nelson Aguilar at 4K would, would be my long shot pick. 
I mean, I mean, first of all, I don't like the way that you just said the like the fucking Detroit Lions. Like they're not the number one offense in the league coming to town to dispatch your New England Patriots. Like what what was what was that disrespect well, about? See, I give the the Patriots predictions on the stream, right? I'm three and one on the year in terms of win and loss. Yeah. Patriots win this game. All right, guys, you heard it here first. Joey up to three and two in his Patriots <laughs> predictions. Um, <laughs> no, that that's uh, we'll we'll see we'll see about that one. We might get some some action on that game off pod. <sighs> see, I got two really really strong long shots, but I I only want to give the people one here. I'll save the other one. Yeah, man. You know, th- this is called cross promotion. You guys are gonna have to check out the GPP video for my number one all time gpp play of week three but i'll give you guys one more that i really really like this week all right joey it's october right halloween is approaching it's spooky season scary hours you could say and it's gonna be a scary week scary terry terry mclaurin fairly disappointing start to the year for the fourth year wide receiver currently averaging 11.4 fantasy points per game he's the wide receiver 41 on the season definitely not living up to that fourth round best ball adp and a big reason for that is the target distribution in washington has been nothing like we predicted right terry mclaurin has a 16.2 percent target share that's well behind curtis samuel who leads the team with 22 percent and it's barely better than Jahan dotson and uh, jd mckissick who are each in that 13 percent range so when you look at things through the lens of opportunity, it might be hard to talk yourself in to the Terry McLaurin bounce back at this point. But first of all, fully believe in Terry McLaurin as a talent that has never been in question. Second of all, Jahan Dotson is out for this game. Third of all, Curtis Samuel missed practice on Wednesday with an illness. He should be good to go for this game, but maybe there's a scenario with no Curtis Samuel at practice right now, no Dotson at practice right now, that maybe just maybe this goofball Carson Wentz can finally get that extra dosage of chemistry that he needs with the best playmaker in this offense. The Titans have allowed the fourth most points to wide receiver over the first month of the season. Terry is currently second in the league in deep targets, six in the league in air yards and first in the league in routes run if we see the target share get a little bit better in this spot the talent's there the matchup is there and the low ownership will absolutely be there at 6200 surrounded by at least five or six wide receivers that people will be more interested in playing i'm gonna call it right here right now eight catches 146 yards two touchdowns Exact stat line for Terry, 37.6 DraftKings points in week five. You could take that to the fucking bank. <laughs> I love it. I love it. 6,200, his price has finally come down, you know, from his like 6,600 tier, which I think does make a little bit of a difference. Targets have been there. Ceiling game has not been there. I I, I love it. I might have to play Terry McLaurin after that. That kind of hyped me up. That's what I'm saying, bro. Scary hours. Scary hours. Scary season. Spooky season. Mm-hmm. Halloween's coming up. What's your Halloween costume going to be? I don't know. What should I be? I don't know. I mean... I think the most popular costume this year is going to be Jeffrey Dahmer. Oh, really? Because of the Netflix documentary. Yeah. That'd be my guess. Hmm. That's what you should be. I've already got mine planned out. Can't be Dahmer. Who, 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 what's your Halloween costume going to be? I'm doing a couple's costume, believe it or not. Of course um, you are. No, I mean, who would have thought? <laughs> ben, doing not doing a couple's costume? Come on. So we are going to uh, together be 
a moth to the flame. I'm going to be the moth. She's going to be the flame. Like she'll, she'll have like this dress that like lights up like a fire and, and like, I'll be the moth that's like, you know, attracted to the flame. You, you feel me? You get the metaphor. I think, did your mic cut out or is, is this just silent, a, a silence of approval? I'm not sure. <sighs> yeah. I mean, Terry McLaurin, great play this week. <laughs> All right, guys, that is going to be <laughs> it for episode 253 of the DFS Dose podcast. Make sure you guys follow us on Twitter at Dose Media Net, as well as our personal Twitters. I'm at Ben Hover. Joey is at Joey Carrion DFS. Reminder, once again, if you are still listening, the late night live stream will be at a different time this week. You can check that out on our YouTube channel and Twitter at 12 noon this Saturday. If you guys want to connect with us and stay up to date with whatever is going on within the network, you can join the inner circle via our free Discord channel. The link to find that is in the show notes to the podcast. To everybody listening out there, we appreciate you. We value you. Until next time, let's stay accountable and keep it authentic. Fives.